We all doing good? Enjoy your lunch. Hopefully you won't fall asleep, now you're all full. Okay, let's pray and we'll dive in because I know we're on the clock. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts to receive all that you're going to speak to us today. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you that it is the power of God unto salvation. Thank you, Lord, that the gospel is still as powerful today as it ever was. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts and our minds to see the power that is in the gospel. Help me to articulate what you've given me and put in my heart, Lord. We give you all the glory, all the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Okay, I'm excited to be with you guys. Jesus at the Door is something that was birthed on the streets of Northern Ireland in 2014. I'm sure some of you guys heard that we experienced a bit of a move of God in Northern Ireland for a few years. And this was birthed around the time where as we stepped into what we believed God had for us, we were trusting him to, to give to us what, what he had. And in that time, the Holy Spirit gave me nine points. I would stop a person on the street and I begin to speak to them about Jesus. And then the Lord would give me a phrase. I'd write that phrase down. And then two weeks later or whatever it was, I would go to somebody else and the Lord would give me another phrase. I wrote them all down and it made its way onto this, uh, this card. We made a card out of it. And then it, it grew legs and ran around the world. And that's basically what happened. That was in 2014. So I've been in a number of nations equipping this tool, even, in the, even this year, and been in a number of nations. And God is breathing life into his church in the area of reaping. We believe that it is time for the harvest, not just to share the gospel, not just to pray for the sick, not just to share your testimony, but actually to bring people and introduce people to a relationship with Jesus. Amen. Does that sound like a good thing? So that is what we're going to do with this tool, okay? So I'm going to walk you guys through it. I'm going to give you what the Holy Spirit gave me. He gave me all these nine points, and then after it had finished, he said, now I'm going to show you why I gave it to you, and I'm going to give you the revelation behind it. I'm going to give you the scriptural understanding behind it, and that's kind of what I'm going to share with you guys, and then we're going to jump into the card. Okay, so the first thing we're going to do, we're going to look at the first slide. We have a few slides for you just to kind of keep you awake so you don't have to look at my pink jumper. So the first one we have should be of a GPS, or maybe not. There we go. Okay, so for those who heard me yesterday, I was explaining how the gospel is like a GPS. It's your navigation to salvation. Well, Jesus at the door, I believe, is a way that we articulate the gospel. So through nine points, we share the gospel. So this, this tool of nine points is your GPS. It's going to get you to your destination, which I believe is salvation. So if you imagine you're getting in your car and you're driving somewhere, but you've never been there, what do you do? You type in the coordinates. Now, as you're driving, you've got to concentrate because if you've never been somewhere, well, you need to focus, yeah? Because in that moment, you've only got room enough for one voice. You need to listen to the voice of your navigator. It's going to talk to you. The person's going to talk to you. If you're like me, I live in America, but I haven't crossed over to the dark side. I can say that because Clay's not here. Uh, I still have the nice English voice, Yeah. Oh, turn left as you go ahead, 100 yards. But my wife's got the American voice, but I'm staying, I'm staying true to the British culture. Do you know what I mean? I'm not changing for anybody, okay? So it says, go straight ahead, 100 yards, take a left, whatever it may be. Now, in that moment, I've got to focus and I've got to concentrate because I've only got room enough for one voice. But once I know where I'm going, once I've been once or twice to this destination, what happens is something wonderful. It stores in my memory bank. And that means I don't need a GPS because I know exactly how to get to my destination. I can switch off, I can chill out, listen to the radio, whatever it may be, yeah? And that's what we're going to give you in this. These nine points, I promise you, will take you to the point of destination, which is salvation. But once you know where you're going, once you memorize these points, once you know how to get to where you need to get to, you can switch off and enjoy the ride. So for me, when I share the gospel, like I shared yesterday about the lady on the airplane, you know, I can just chill out and relax, man. I don't break a sweat. I'm like, I'm just going about my business. And I know that this gospel is, is my navigation to salvation. So I just live my life. And as I'm living my life, I walk people to that destination point. Yeah. You guys heard about what happened in the chip shop last night. And, and me and John got to lead a guy this morning in the hotel. He was on his phone, walking into the Holiday Inn on a phone. And I went, hey, hang on, come here, man. Can I talk to you? And he's on his phone. Now, some evangelists would probably have rules. I don't have rules. <clears throat> Just so you know. My rule is this. Follow the wild goose. The early Celtic church referred to the Holy Spirit as the wild goose. They said he's unpredictable and untamable. I like to follow the wild goose. Wherever I see him going, I'm going. I don't care how messy it looks. So I stopped the guy 
on his phone, we end up, me and John end up praying for him, feels the Holy Spirit, lead him to Jesus, get his number. This is just as we're leaving the, the, the room today, the hotel today. But I want to tell you just a couple of stories and fire you guys up for how easy this thing is, okay? I'm very privileged uh, this morning to have a couple of dear friends, well, not friends, family with me. My sister is with me, Amy Joy. Give her a round of applause. And I feel very privileged to have her here. When I, before I was a believer, I was a wayward child very far out from the Lord and she prayed for me. And I believe her prayers were, were influential in me coming to know Jesus. So I'm very excited to have her here with, with me this morning. Also, I have another friend, Zach. Let's give Zach a round of applause. Come on. And I want to share briefly what happened with Zach about three years ago. Okay, what happened is this. I'm going to give my take on it and then I'm going to ask him just to share a couple of words and embarrass him. But three years ago, I was with my wife and I took her out for a coffee. I decided I would date her. For all you married men, hello Ben, great to see you bro. For all you married men, you know that we're going to date our wives, yeah? That's important. So every Thursday I have new believers group. One week I'm like, I need to take a week off and date my wife. So I took her to the cafe, Port Stewart Cafe on the promenade overlooking this big window. It's like real romantic. It's like get me serious brownie points. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I'm going to take her in there. This is going to be sweet. And then after the coffee, we're going to go home and we're going to hear the song we heard last night. You know what I'm saying? One of those ones, yeah? So... I can't shake that song out of my head from last night, whoever's ringtone. I just got to thank you. So I, I take her out for a coffee. We're sitting there. We get the best table in the house. I'm like, this is going sweet. This is really going good for me. Sit down, drink the tea, looking over the ocean, the sun's setting, waves crashing against the rocks. It's beautiful. And then something happens. I look out the wind, the big windows, and I see a man in the distance over the rocks, like with a hood over his head, and the Holy Spirit says, him. And I'm like, Lord, it's date night. And the Lord's like, that guy over there. So I'm like, this ain't going to go down well with the missus. So I'm like, Lord, if you, if you sweeten it with, a, with, with Jay, with my wife, then I'm in. So I kind of like left it a few minutes, kind of like looking over, just making sure she's good. And then I'm like, uh, you, see, you, see, is the, you see that guy over there? There's a guy, can you see out the window? There's a guy. She's like, yeah, there's somebody there. I'm like, I think I should go and speak to that guy. She's like, okay. She knows, she's married to an evangelist. She knows the deal. She's like, that's okay. So I go over. As I leave the cafe, the gentleman leaves where he was on the rocks and he comes to the road. He just puts a spliff out. He's smoking a spliff. He, he threw it down on the floor and then he gets to me. I'm here and he's over there. And I said, excuse me, man, can I ask you a question? And he stopped and he said, what? I said, have you ever seen this picture before? And do you pray? He looks at me and he says, what is this? I said, well, what do you mean? He said, as soon as you began to speak to me, my legs started to tremble. I began to walk him through the steps that I'm going to teach you guys to Jesus at the door. It took about two minutes. Zach came up. I, had, I prayed for him to feel the Holy Spirit. And he said, I feel like crying. I said, that's okay. You can cry. And he's like, no, I don't cry. I'm like, it's okay. So we're stood there. The sun setting, the waves crashing against the rocks as we're overlooking the ocean. And I'm there with my new friend rubbing his back <laughs> as tears are coming down his eyes as he feels the love of Jesus. The Holy Spirit speaks words of knowledge to me, words that were very profound about his life, things that he was just thinking in the moment where he leaned over those rocks to contemplate his life. So I just want to just really, really quickly, I just want to bring him up. Just come up, Jack, just two minutes. <laughs> so I just want, you know, I, it turned out that I was coming here. He, he's from Stoke-on-Trent. He was a courier driver, okay, driving to do a delivery. And he stopped off, a lot of things going on in his life, stopped off to smoke a split, split and contemplate his life. That was when I stepped in. So just to, now, he's not used to this at all, are you? So this is it. I'm throwing him a deep end. But just like, just give like, in your words, like what happened that night? Well, it just blew my mind a little bit, really. I was just sort of contemplating everything that was going on. And she literally, like, read my mind, told me everything I was thinking. And, so, I don't know, he touched me on the shoulder, and I was just like, whoa. <laughs> I actually, like, felt something, like, in my heart, like a bit of, like, a, like a shake. It was, like, it was weird. And, anyway, that, that night, I ended up driving back home. Uh, I ended up having, like, a really big, bad car crash. Uh, like, the roads are really bad in Ireland, you can't see nothing. Just after you left me, literally after you left me? Literally just after I'd left, yeah. Um, and yeah, like I say, I 
rang up my boss. I was like, oh, <laughs> I've just had a crash. <laughs> he was just like, are you on the ferry yet? Are you on the ferry yet? I was like, what? <laughs> Not even bothered about the crash. And then I just felt like everything sort of came to one. Like I just spoke to Scott. I like told me everything that I was thinking about in my life. And then the same thing happened like with the crash. Like I just felt like I wasn't meant to go at that time. Do you know what I mean? So but it's nice just to... Well, a bit different, really. Like, I, I'm just trying to put it into everyday life. Like, everything you're doing, just try and change a little bit what you're doing. And you went around, you told all your friends about what happened? Yeah, just going around telling my friends a story. Like, you get a lot of people laugh at you, and they won't really, like, they'll be like, yeah, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, whatever. But then... And, you, and you'd had no background with God or nothing before that? No, no background. Like, been to church and that, but you associate church with, like, a funeral or... Like, a, you know what I mean, a wedding or it's never like, a, it's either really high or really low. So it's one of them things. It's, it's nice to come here and it's a bit different than you imagine a church being. Praise God. Come on. That's your bro. Come on. So I just want you guys to see just from an everyday encounter, I wasn't standing on a street. I wasn't saying, hey, I'm going to talk about Jesus. I'm just living my life. But you know, the Holy Spirit has presented uh, good works in advance for you to step into, whether it be a chip shop, a hotel, uh, a cafe on the promenade. There are opportunities every single day that are available for you to step into if you will take that opportunity. Okay, let's move on to the next one. So I'm just gonna fly through these. We're gonna do a two-hour training in like 35 minutes. So the next slide, not that one. There's, there should be one of, uh, of a, a go sign, is it? Yeah, here we go. Okay. So the Great Commission, what was it? Go and make disciples of all nations. Okay. Jesus told us to go and make disciples of all nations. If we don't go, how are we ever going to make disciples? It's in the going that things happen, yeah? So I think it's really interesting, this word. I'm going to tell you why. What does the gospel mean? Does anybody know what the word gospel means? Good news. Okay. What's the first two letters of gospel? What's the first two letters of good? What's the first two letters of God? So everything about Christianity screams, go! Everything. If heaven had traffic lights, there'd only be one color. I'm telling you, like, everything is go, go, go. There's no time for waiting, for thinking about it, for like, I don't know how I feel, and no time for the liver shiver. This is all about like, man, let's get on it. Let's get out of here. You know, we know that Jesus has given us the go, so we don't need to wait anymore. When, the only time we had to wait as believers was in the upper room. And in the upper room, we received the boldness to get the job done, okay? So I'm telling you, the gospel is about going. I've never read one version of the Bible that says, stay and make disciples of all nations. Never read it. Everything's about going, but we need to get up and we need to go. Okay, can you show the apple tree image? So I stepped onto the streets and the Holy Spirit said, Scott, look at everyone like this. Everyone's an apple, and when you share, I'll shake. This was the word that I had. So everybody's an apple. Look around, the Lord told me, when you share, I'll shake. This was the phrase that I had. And it changed everything for me because I realized in this moment that evangelism was partnership. You see, evangelism is an invitation to partnership. That's why it was called the great commission and not the great mission. It's an invitation and he's extending that invitation to you. He says, together, let's go and change the world. You see, the, the great commission, it wasn't given to evangelists. It was given to disciples. So if you're a disciple sitting here, then you're called to go and make disciples. But for many, they don't know how to do it. We've only equipped you in how to pray for the sick. We haven't equipped you in how to lead people to Jesus. And that's what we're going to do today. Sound good? Okay, next one. So I'm going to explain to you guys how it works in terms of the, the, this boldness thing. Yeah. So when you got born again, when the Bible tells us that you became a new creation, and you received like new DNA, you became a new person, yeah? You guys remember that moment? When you met Jesus and he revealed himself as the Messiah and you got born again, you, you became a new, a new person. Well, God put inside of you a new DNA. And in that DNA, he gave you something that would equip you to get the job done. You see, who believes the Lord is kind? Is that just me? Okay, we're all on that same page. The Lord is very kind. So if you're an introvert, if your character disposition is different to mine and you're like, I don't like speaking to people, man, especially not strangers. I've, I've gone through a lot of stuff at school. I was bullied, whatever it may be. You've got, through some, you've got some past situations that affect your want, willingness to go out. Surely the Lord would not call you to a task without equipping you with the tools to get the job done. 
Like if he's called you to, to fulfill the great commission, which he has, he wouldn't call you knowing that you're sitting there squirming in your seat right now, thinking, ha ha, I'm just gonna watch them suffer. Like if he's called you to it, he's gonna give you what you need to get the job done. That just kind of makes sense to me. So I believe that nothing can no longer hinder you in the area of evangelism, making disciples, nothing. There's nothing at all because you've received something from on high. I'm gonna tell you what that thing is. Turn to your neighbor and say, man, you have B.O. I'm gonna tell you this. This is the moment you think to yourself, I wish I had a shower this morning. Everybody in this room has BO. Some have it more than others, but everybody's got it. And I'm gonna tell you this, what it is, okay? Before you panic, this is what BO is. Boldness and obedience. Every single blood-bought believer has boldness and obedience because you got born again and he put it in you. A boldness and an obedience, a desire to obey him. It was put inside you when that flame fell upon your head. So what is boldness and obedience? Well, all you have to do is apply your BO and GO and it gets done. It's as simple as that. Okay, can we have a tandem bicycle image? I need a volunteer. Who wants to be a vol my volunteer? Volunteer? Yeah, come on up. Okay, come on up. So this is how it works. The Holy Spirit speaks to me in pictures and, and strange things. Come on up, mama. So sometimes the Lord will speak to me in pictures. And the first one I got was we share, he shakes, the apple tree. And then the Lord gave me this one. We ride, he waits. Okay, so I'm going to explain how this works. I knew nothing about tandem bicycles, by the way, before you judge me. I'm not the guy in the pink lycra shorts blocking your road on a Sunday morning going to church. That's not me. I'm not a big fan. But this is how a tandem bicycle works. Just come and stand in the front there. So this is how it works, okay? I looked into it after the Holy Spirit spoke to me and I was like, this is blowing my mind right now. Like tandem bicycles are blowing my mind. I became an expert in tandemology. It like blew my mind, you know? <laughs> so this is how it works. The person at the front, that guy there, that was me with a mullet in the 80s. Just joking. Right, so the person at the front's called the captain. The captain has two jobs. Okay, so pretend you're about to ride a bicycle. Let's, let's get into character here. Let's method act. So he's the captain, okay? Look, he's getting into it. Come on. So the captain has two jobs. One is to hold the bicycle upright while the person at the back climbs on. That's job number one. Job number two is to navigate the course. Okay, that's the captain. That's his name, the captain, the official. The person at the back is called the stoker. And again, I'm not making this up, the stoker. Do you know what the stoker's job is? One job. Have a guess what it might be. To pedal. Now, can you see the handicap that is, being, uh, that is involved with both of these partners? What's his handicap? His handicap is that if I don't pedal, he don't move. What's my handicap? All I'm looking at is his back. I don't know where he's taking me. Do you see there's a handicap that is involved? There's a trust that is involved in this situation. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Thanks, man. You can get down. That was a great job. Give him a round of applause. Come on. You can be my captain any day. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Scott, I'm the captain. And every day I'm looking around the world and I'm like, who's going to pedal? You see, you get out of your bed in the morning and you're praying and you're saying, Lord, I I'm crying out for a move of God in Nottingham. I'm crying out for a move of God in my family. I'm crying out for a move of God in, in my friends. And what the Holy Spirit, he's on the bike right there in your, in your bedroom. And he's like, well, I'm just crying out for a move from you. You know, get on the bike. Let's get out of here. Let's do it together. You see, often we're asking God to move and He's asking you to move because the truth of it is, is the Holy Spirit has allowed Himself to have a handicap and that handicap is, I wanna partner with you because I love you so much. So why don't we change the world together? Not just you go off and do your thing, but let's do it together. And as we move, He navigates and things change. But what that means is that He's in front of every conversation, every single one. So just like when I met Zach, yeah, I'm walking over. I didn't know what was going to happen. All I know is the captain's in front. So I meet Zach, I barely open my mouth and already he's feeling the power of God. Why? Because the captain has gone before me. Every time I speak to somebody, I look through the lens of my captain. I don't try and do anything without him. If I can sum up evangelism for you in one sentence, this is what it would be. Giving up all control so he can take full control. That's it. That for me is the like evangelism 101. If I could, if you could remember one thing from this seminar, it'd be that. Giving up all control so he can take full control. Now it's counter-cultural, counter-intuitive. You're like, man, giving up control, how is that going to be powerful? Well, let me tell you why. Because you see, evangelism is partnership. And partnership is power. And what he asks you to bring is the partnership and he'll bring the power. It's that simple. 
But often what we do is because we get afraid, we try and hold on so tight that we negate the power of this partnership. If you can become so trusting and say, Lord, I don't know where I'm going, but, but I'm just gonna look at your back and I'm gonna believe that you're gonna lead me, it will change everything. So all you've gotta do is apply your BO and geo. So what happens, I'm walking down the street or wherever and I see somebody, I'm like, I wanna speak to that person. What do I do? Well, I have to move because the Lord's not gonna elevate me to that position. I'm gonna have to actually count the cost if I wanna win the lost. So what I'm gonna do is this. I'm gonna apply my BO. I'm gonna belt my left leg's boldness, my right leg's obedience, okay? I'm gonna see somebody. I'm gonna see another human being and I'm gonna think I wanna speak to them. Do I wanna speak to them because the big finger comes from the sky, the heavens open up and it says, it's them. Is that why I speak to them? No, I tell you why I speak to them. Let me tell you why. Because everybody's the apple of his eye. So the apple orchard image that we show, uh, I showed you before. Every day, place yourself in the middle of that apple orchard image. Can we have that back up? I want you to put yourself in that place. Now, you would be very hard done by. It would be very difficult to find a, a, a day in your life where you're not surrounded by other people. Would you agree? Like, you'd have to really try hard. You know, you, everywhere you go, grocery store, you go to the gym, whatever. There's people everywhere. So every day, you're surrounded by apples. And all you have to do is walk through the apple orchards of life. Reach out your hand and be willing to catch. That's it. That's how simple it is. Deuteronomy 32.10, Zechariah 2 verse 8, Psalm 17 verse 8 says, we're the apple of his eye. You know what that means? That means you're his favorite. If you're his favorite, what about all them out there? So all we have to do is share and let him shake. It's so simple. So what we do, uh, what we do is we apply our BO. We see them, we're like, okay, man, I'm going for it. Boldness, obedience. But hang on, how do I know if they're really if God's drawing this person. You know, words of knowledge, yeah? You guys know words of knowledge, where God speaks to you about that person's life. We call that words of knowledge. So we, this will encourage all growth in all those areas. We call Jesus at the door a garden where all your other gifts can grow. Prophetic healing, the whole lot. You don't need any to begin because the gospel's the power, but, but it's a garden where everything will grow. So in that moment, as you're moving, you're like, dude, does this person, are they being highlighted? And some people sometimes, they say things like, man, if I get a word, I'll go. So they're in a coffee, a coffee shop and they're like, okay, looking around. If I get a word, I'm gonna go. Well, I tell them, man, you already got the word, it was go. What are you waiting for? There's no reason to stand around and wait for a word. We already had it. Go make disciples of all nations. What do I know? I know this. One, everyone's the apple of his eye. And two, his desires that none should perish. So I shouldn't have this philosophical debate when I see another human being. Like, uh, should I go? I don't know. Am I feeling it? You know, I, it should be a case of man. They've got a beat in the heart. Let's go. And even if they don't, pray for them to come back to life. Let's go anyway. So I go over, yeah? I apply boldness, obedience, Boldness, obedience. As I move in my BO, I'm going to get to that person. And then what do I do? I just share and let him shake. It's that simple. And what if they don't respond? Well, that's okay because you're not the shaker. Your job is to share. His job is to shake. And then you just catch the apples as they fall. One of three things will happen. The apple will fall. It will move a little or it won't move at all. But the beauty of it is, is that's not your job, okay? That makes sense? Okay. Where are we at? I'm trying to fly through this till you get... Kind of all I have to give. Okay, next one should be of Zacchaeus. Let's go to Zacchaeus. Okay, you guys all know the story of Zacchaeus. Is there anybody here who doesn't know the story of Zacchaeus? A couple of hands. Okay, I'm going to fly through, for, uh, fly through it really quickly with you. Shout out to me what comes to mind when you think of Zacchaeus. Short. What else? What'd you say? Tax collector. Huh? Obedient. Okay. I don't know what Bible you're reading, but okay. Uh, anybody else? What? Annoying. Thank you for your honesty. Anybody else? Come down from the tree. Okay, Zacchaeus was a, a tax collector, a, a notorious, filthy sinner, according to Scripture. And all we can decipher from Scripture is this. He climbed the tree to see. Why did he climb the tree to see? I want to show just quickly two vantage points. One is Zacchaeus. Okay, Zacchaeus is, is going about his business. He's a tax collector. I, I've got three options why he climbed that tree. This is what I'm thinking, three reasons why. One, he had a 45-minute tax collector's lunch break. Two, he was a boy that never grew up and he just loved climbing trees. 
or three, there was something about Jesus that he'd never seen before and he was drawn like a moth to a flame. They're my three options and I go with the third one. Because Jesus was the light of the world. Agreed? So Zacchaeus, he's going round and round and round in the deep, dark oceans of life, just doing the same thing. How many people know that until you meet Jesus, no matter what you have in life, you could have nothing or everything, but all you're doing is going round and round and round. It's the same stuff. You see, in life, we have dirty apples or shiny apples, but they're still apples. And no matter the life you live, you could have nothing or everything, but there's only so much you can do. You're just doing the same things. It's like the same stuff where habitual people, we just go round and round and round doing the same things. And Zacchaeus climbed the tree to see, and I believe it's because he saw something he'd never seen before. What the Holy Spirit showed me was this, the school of fish. We have the first image you put up. There's a school of fish, and I saw this vision here. The Holy Spirit showed me, and it was in a deep, dark ocean of life, and I could see fish going around. And then suddenly, this big spotlight came on the fish, and suddenly, instantaneously, the fish turned in a, in a millisecond to look at the light. And the Lord said, it's because I've never seen anything like it before. I believe this. I believe Zacchaeus was going round and round in the deep, dark oceans of life. Is it because he was a filthy sinner? No, it's because the Bible tells us that everyone's in the kingdom of darkness until he brings us in the kingdom of light. So that means everybody is going round and round in darkness. Everybody. The spotlight comes on. Streets of Jericho. Spotlight comes on. Zacchaeus is like, man, I don't know what, what is going on right now, but all I know is I have to see, I have to see this, I have to be close to this light. It's like kind of Star Wars. Any Star Wars fans? Come on, new movie, December 20th, bring it on, I'm a huge fan. So what happens in Star Wars is this, Han Solo's in the Millennium Falcon, yeah? And he's like flying by and the Death Star's over here and he's trying to hide from the Death Star and then what happens is the Death Star locks him into its tractor beam. And suddenly he's flying the Millennium Falcon and he's in the tractor beam, he's like, Chewie! He's like, man, I can't get out of here. It's like I'm locked into this thing. And he's trying to like turn, but he can't turn. Why? Because he is being drawn. John chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus said this. Nobody, say nobody. Nobody can come to me unless the Father draws them. Nobody. So when we go out in partnership, it's so easy. Why? Because we're only looking for those that are being drawn. We're not looking to wrestle, verbally wrestle somebody to the ground. We're just looking for those apples that are ready. It's called reaping. So Zacchaeus climbs the tree to see. He's like, man, I'm like, he's like in this tractor beam, like drawn to Jesus. He's like, what is it? I've got to get close because he's being drawn. Okay. Other vantage point. Jesus walks up, walks through the crowds. Now, would you agree wherever Jesus went, there were crowds? So Jesus walks through the crowds, crowds and crowds of people. He walks through the apple orchards of life. He ignores all the apples. Walks straight through. Ignores them all. All these apples. Forget it, forget it. Goes to the likely, uh, most unlikely apple. The one that didn't look like it was looking for God. The one that looked least likely to fall. Ignores all those. Goes straight to the apple and says what? Hurry today. I must come and eat with you. Depending on what version you look at. Nine words. Hurry today. I must come and eat with you. Nine, nine words. Now, I don't know about your evangelism styles. You may be looking at me and say, I'm not digging this thing. Uh, I don't know how your evangelism start presentations work, but I've never come across one that takes nine words. And I've never come across one that says this, hurry today, I must eat with you. I mean, maybe people use it. I've never heard it. Walk up to some stranger, say, hey man, hurry today, I must eat with you and see what happens. You better duck. It's kind of like an interesting, interesting evangelism approach, but Jesus used it. What was he saying? He's saying this. He's saying, hurry today because there's an urgency. You see, not everybody has till tomorrow. So when we're playing the long game, drip feeding the gospel over six months, trying to become somebody's friend with an ulterior motive, where really we want to lead them to Jesus. That baffles me, but hey, I find that deceiving. Oh, I'm just going to be this guy's friend, man. And then get in, get in with him, earn equity. In six months, I'll tell him that really, you know, about the gospel. Man, if somebody did that to me, I'd be offended. Do you know why we do things like that? It's because we don't trust the gospel. That's why we do things like that. We play the long game. We drip feed the gospel. We try and make friends with people with this idea of one day we can share Jesus. It's because we don't know its power. That's why. If you knew the power of the gospel, you wouldn't try and hide behind anything. You just present it the way it is. You just come straight out with the gospel and say, hey, do you see how Jesus said this? He said, Zacchaeus, 
Man, how are you doing today? Did you, you see the game last night? Man, the Jericho skies are quite cloudy today, huh? He made conversation about the game and the, and the weather. No, he didn't, did he? Why? Do you know why? Because he didn't need to, because the gospel is that powerful that the message that Jesus carried was so powerful that we don't need to try and butter people up. What we're trying to do sometimes is, is, is create an atmosphere that's conducive to our level of faith. We're like, man, if I, can, if I can warm them up a little first, then I'll bring Jesus in. I trained a pastor in Paris, pastor in Paris, and uh, I, some churches out there, and as I'm training this guy, he says to me, he says, Scott, I prefer my way of evangelism over yours. I'm like, gutsy statement, but okay, I'm cool with that. Can, can I ask you, what is your way of evangelism? He says, yeah, man. For two minutes every day, I go to the local park and I talk to people about the weather. After two minutes, I say, hey, I'm, I'm actually, I'm a, I'm a pastor and I try and talk to them about Jesus. He said, I prefer that way much more. And I thought for a minute and I said, of course you do, because you're in control of it. You see, I don't need Jesus to talk about the weather. I can figure that one out by myself. So do you know what he was doing? This is what he was doing. He was getting off the bike and he's saying, Holy Spirit, I don't need you right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna create this atmosphere first. I want it to be nice, warm and fuzzy so that I can step into it and then I'll call you over and you can help me out, yeah? Doesn't work like that. Because why was it not working? It wasn't working because there was no partnership. If it was working, why did he bring me from Ireland to France to try and help build his church? Because it wasn't working. So what did he do? Then he took hold of it he went for the second session and ended up blowing his mind. And he's like, okay, man, this thing's crazy. His daughter led a Muslim to the Lord. She's never led anyone to Jesus before. But what you have to do is be willing to partner. If you don't partner, you ain't gonna see the fruits of it. So Jesus walks through, calls him. What did he say? Hurry today, I must come and eat with you. What does that mean? First century Jewish culture, you open your home, you open your life. So Jesus went straight to the heart of the matter. It's called reaping. He went straight to the heart. He said, today, son, I want your heart. I want to eat with you. I want your heart. Zacchaeus knew exactly what was being demanded of him. Jesus said over 2,000 years ago what we say today, Revelation 3 verse 20. He stands at the door and knocks and anyone that opens, he'll come and eat with them. Same thing. He said it to a man up a tree. You know what happened? Just like the apple, he came down. So easy. How could it be so simple? I believe this. If Jesus is the light of the world, and my Bible tells me that we are the light of the world. Then when we walk through modern street Jericho, modern day Jericho, we should be lighting up that baby like a beacon. Would you agree? If you are the light of the world, do you all agree? You're very quiet. Do you all agree that you are the light of the world? Okay. So if you're the light of the world and you walk into a chip shop in Nottingham, should you light that chip shop up? Of course you should. Which is exactly what happened when we walked in that chippy last night. It's just the kingdom of God breaking out. Why? Because Are we special? No, we're just the light of the world, just like you, except some people walk around with the basket on their head. So if we're the light of the world, let the light shine and just go and be the light, yeah? People will be drawn to you. I promise you, this works, and I see it all the time. I was in Liverpool a couple of years ago. I'm training, my, uh, training some churches there. I'm with my brother who's not walking with the Lord yet. And I'm like, uh, I'm gonna take you shopping because we like shop, we like fashion where we come from. So since, you're like, really? Saturday afternoon, I kid you not, thousands of people. If you've ever been to Liverpool City Centre, man, it's so busy on a Saturday. I'm not kidding, thousands of people. I go into a Primark because i got style, uh, or Primani, whatever you call it. And I walk in there and I buy two hats for me and my brother. I walk out, they give us no bag and no receipts. I walk out, I say to my brother, man, they're going to think we've robbed these hats because they have security guards, you know. So we get down the town, walking like... Two minutes down the, down the city center, I glance over my shoulder and I see a fella bouncing towards me, like that's marching towards me, sunglasses and a suit on. I'm like, that's a security guard. I'm starting to feel bad for something I haven't even done. And the, guy's, uh, the guy walks up to me, man, he's like, hey, you. I'm like, yeah, what's up? He's like, uh, can you get me some cocaine? I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Are you a security guard? He's like, yeah, I'm a security guard. Not from there, from over there. I'm on my lunch break. I'm looking for cocaine. You look like a guy can get me some. So I'm like, hang on, is, 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 he, is he winding me up here? I'm like, you serious, man? He's like, yeah, I'm serious, yeah. And I'm looking around at all the, like in my radius, like the hundreds of people in my radius, I'm thinking, well, hang on, he never came to my brother, but he came straight to me. And I knew what it was. It wasn't the cocaine. I'm the light of the world. So what I did is this. I said, forget the cocaine. Let me ask you a question. Pulled out my phone. and said, you ever see this picture before? Do you ever pray? He says, uh, 
He says, no, I don't really pray, man, no. I'm like, what about emergencies? He's like, yeah, I guess so sometimes. I walk him through these nine points. Within two minutes, he's standing there and he's praying out loud in front of my brother who thought, this is a plant. This is a setup. <laughs> he's like, there's no way. Because the guy's like textbook, like just going through it, man. Feels the Holy Spirit standing there, confessing Jesus in Liverpool City Centre on a Saturday afternoon within a few minutes. His name was Mike. He came looking for cocaine and left with Jesus. Why? Because I'm the light of the world and so are you. Come on, praise God. Hallelujah for the gospel. This is how powerful the gospel is, people. I'm telling you, if you'd only trust it, just step out with the power of the gospel, you will, your mind will be blown on the opportunities that will happen, I promise you. Okay, John 4, 35, this last thing, and then I'm gonna just, uh, we're gonna actually go through the card, okay. So John 4, 35, Jesus said this, do you not say four months, then comes the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. Reaping is different to sowing, why? Because you actually expect to catch the apples. For many believers, they are seasoned sowers. So when you approach an apple, you're prepared to caress it, keep it company, but not catch it. We're trying to get you from, from a, a stage of sowing into a stage of reaping. Why? Because the church is imbalanced at the moment. We've got so many sowers and not enough reapers. So the harvest is available. Jesus told us, he said, look, you don't have to wait four months, four weeks, four days or four hours. Man, you can have it like right now. But if you're gonna get it, you've gotta look through a different lens. What is that lens? Not this one, not your earthly lens. Through heaven's eyes, you gotta look through heaven's lens. Because when you look through heaven's eyes, you know what you see? You see an apple orchard. And, and you see apples that are just like willing to fall all the time. You know what happens to apples that are ready to fall but nobody catches them? What happens? They rot, they blacken, they rot, they die. That's what happens. Do you know there's people over in our world dying every single day? And what we're doing is reading books and walking, we're watching documentaries. I mean, I mean, most believers, a lot of believers I meet, man, they won't even leave the house unless they've watched like 20 documentaries on healing and impartation and evangelism, sat under 15 great teachers and received an impartation from Todd White. They didn't even leave the house. You know, people like, they're like, man, if I, I've got to get all this from God, fill me up, fill me up, fill me up and I'll go. The thing is, is that we can come to these conferences and say, God, give us more, give us more and we'll go. And he says, you go and I'll give you more. It's in the going that it gets done. So the harvest is ready if you'll go. It's as simple as that, I promise you, okay. Okay, let's bring this card up, man. I'm gonna walk us through this, okay. So this card here, this is a, a picture of Jesus knocking at the door that was illustrated by Charlie Mackesy, who's an acclaimed artist who works very closely with Alpha. And he did this beautiful image for us. This, this tool is made up of nine points in a picture. If you can see the back, if we can show you the back, it's, it's broken down into three sections. The blue zone, three points pertaining to the picture. So all those points about the picture. The next is the red zone, three points that symbolize sin. And lastly, the yellow zone, three points that reveal repentance. So when you're thinking about it, you've got the picture, sin and repentance. That's it, okay? Nine points, super easy. Now, Bono from U2, any U2 fans here? So Bono from U2, he, for me, he coined what reaping evangelism is. He coined it for me, it's what he said. He said this, as believers, we're often asking God to bless what we're doing. Find out what he's doing, because it's already blessed. For me, that's like, that's like the perfect, perfect phrase for reaping evangelism. Find out what God's doing because it's already blessed. Instead of kind of beating your head against a brick wall and discussing evolution, spaceships and monkeys, why don't you just bounce over here and say, man, what's God doing? What's he already blessed? I'm moving that way. You know, instead of trying to do your own thing, why don't you go with the Spirit and let him be your captain? And if nobody's ready, that's okay. Just keep going. You'll find somebody who's ready. Sometimes it's just not your apple. That's okay. Move on and find one that is ready. Well, I don't know if anybody's ready. Well, yes, you do, because Jesus didn't say the fields are white for harvest except in Nottingham. He said the fields are white for harvest, full stop. What does that mean? It means it's harvest time everywhere. I promise you, I travel a lot. I see the same things. I go to places and people are like, oh, it's gonna be different here. It'd be more tricky. It's harder here. It's harder ground here. Do you know what? Like I said yesterday, you've got a sledgehammer in your hand. I don't care how hard the ground is, something's gonna crack. So we approach an individual. What do we do? Do we shove that in their face and say, you seen that before, do you pray? No, we don't. We ask them permission to speak to them. Why? Because I wanna know, is my captain drawing this person? 
Excuse me, can I ask you a question? No, man, I got no time, I'm in a rush. No problem, have a great day. Jesus loves you. Don't freeze, don't panic. Uh, okay. Own your zone. When you walk into a space, it becomes yours by right because everything in the world, everything on the earth all belongs to the Lord. Yeah, the earth and everything in it belongs to the Lord. What did the Lord say in Joshua? I'm gonna give you the ground where you set your feet. So own your zone. You walk into a, a situation, wherever it may be, no matter how many people, no matter what they're doing, you own it when you, when you place your feet there, it becomes yours by right. Don't be backing off, don't be timid. Get confident and know that the Lord is with you in that situation. So can I, can I ask you a question? No, man, I'm not interested. No problem, have a great day, Jesus loves you, yeah? Move on. Excuse me, can I ask you a question? No. Excuse me, could I, yeah, what is it? Have you ever seen this picture before and do you pray? Okay, now the reason we, show, we begin with this picture, I'm gonna tell you why. The Lord has anointed this image like crazy. We've seen people look at this image, cry and get saved. Like it's nuts. It's crazy. That the Lord has put something on this image that will blow your mind. In October 2020, we have our first, uh, well, my first book coming out um, by chosen publishers in America, one of the major publishers out there, have, uh, are gonna release two Jesus at the door books in October, which will go all over. And it's gonna be a field guide, a booklet for all those who want to do it and a leader's guide to train you in it. And in this book, we share just like some crazy stories, which I don't have time to share, about what God has done, even just from people looking at this image. Like, it's crazy. So we're gonna show them. Have you seen this picture? Do you pray, okay? And then we're gonna go to the next point. If they say, sorry, if they say, no, I don't pray, what do we do? So you guys can see in brackets, it says, what about in emergencies? So in a, in a crisis, if somebody's dying, would you pray in that situation? No, man, I, I don't pray. I'm, I'm not ready a prayer. Well, do you believe God is there? Well, no, I don't believe in God, to be honest. Okay, well, listen, he believes in you. God bless you. Have an incredible day. Unless the Holy Spirit speaks to you otherwise, then you move on. Why? Because it's a reaping mentality. We're looking for the apples that are ready to fall, okay? So I'm giving you permission to walk away. So that means you, I'm gonna dig your heels in and feel you've gotta defend God. He can defend himself, don't you worry about that. You just partner with him and find out where he's moving, okay? Find out what's already blessed. Okay, this is Jesus knocking on the door of your heart, the handles on the inside, only you can let him in. We lay that down immediately, really clearly. Lots of people pray. Praying's like talking through the door. You know he's there somewhere, but you don't know him personally. How many people do you know that know God, but they don't know him like you know him? You know, people who believe in God, but they don't have a relationship with him. You see, we're trying to make a clear distinction between religion and relationship through this card. Now, religion happens outside the door and relationship happens inside. So we're trying to let people know that there's a difference between just knowing he's there and actually knowing him, okay? And each of these points are gonna reveal that. Okay, so the blue zone done, we move on to the red zone, which is about sin. Visualize wearing a backpack. If we filled it with all of your sins, would it be heavy? No, man, my bag's empty, nothing in my, I make Mother Teresa look bad, man. I've, I'm such a good person, never done anything wrong in my life. I'm really, really good, okay. Is that an apple ready to fall? No, because do we sit that person down and do we, for 10 minutes, do we grill them and draw everything out of them and make them feel real bad and tell them what a filthy sinner they are? Some people do. I don't do it, let me tell you why, because I have a captain. And in John 16, verse eight, the Holy Spirit, it says the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin. So if they won't listen to my captain, why are they gonna listen to me? Do you know, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, okay, I can tell them like, go through all the sins, go through everything they've done this past week, make them feel real bad. And then, you know, is that gonna work? Is that gonna convict them? Well, if I've got a captain who promises me that he'll convict the world of sin and I've given him total permission and they, he approaches that person before me in this moment and they hear the gospel and they're like, man, I've never done anything wrong, I'm good. I don't believe they're being... They're being touched in that moment. And that's okay. I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit for that. Okay? And I'm going to move on. Now, I'm, going to, I'm not going to just like dismiss them. If there's an openness, you know, I try and invite them to something. I'll say, hey, why don't we connect on a different, a different uh, level? I'll try and kind of make it, take it further. But if they shut me down, then I will, uh, I will move on. Every, every step through this card, if they disengage, you disengage. There's not one point through this, this process that we tell them, you're a, uh, you believe in God, you pray, you're a sinner, you need to repent. We don't do that. We put the options out there and say, hey, is this you? And they say, yeah, that's me. So it's a very gentle approach that packs one heck of a punch, yeah? It's a very, very gentle approach, but it has a punch from heaven, I promise you. Okay, so would your bag be heavy? Let's provide, let's pro let's, um, imagine they're human. Let's, let's, uh, let's present, uh, provide they're human. Provide. That's, that's uh, one word I'm looking for. Let's assume they are human. 
and they admit they are not perfect. Yes, I would have something in my bag. And I assure them, yeah, reassure them, yeah, like everybody, huh? So that bag represents your debt with God. It stops you having a relationship with him. And that's what he's looking for. Next one. If you owed the bank 10,000 pound and I wrote you a check, gave you a check for that amount, and you deposited the check in your account, what would happen to your debt? Now, is that a difficult question? That's pretty simple, huh? But we still want them to answer because we don't want them to just stand there where we like, and can I just uh, make this clear as well? This is not a tract. You don't give this to the person, okay? This is for you to read. Uh, you're not keeping it secret. It's not a big secret. You can show them if you want, but you're reading this to them. You're presenting the gospel to them. It's not to give to them to read, just to make that clear. Okay, so what would happen to your debt? It would be cleared. And that's what Jesus did for you on the cross. He wrote you a check, signed in his blood, and today he's standing at the door of your heart wanting you to cash it in. Now, that's the, the blue zone and the red zone done, but we're still, in the, it's, we're still in the sowing fields. And I remember on the streets of Northern Ireland in, in Coleraine, when the Lord gave me everything up until this point, and I'm like, man, this is like, this is like been sprinkled with heavenly gold dust. It was like so special. Like, like I could feel it when I'd present it. People, the atmosphere would change. But I still, I didn't know how do I get to the, how do I get to the reaping fields? Well, all I was thinking in my head at this point, I was thinking, get them to church. You know, if I can get them to church, then they'll, they'll hear the worship, they'll encounter the, the sermon, you know, like they'll get touched, yeah? So in my head, I'm thinking, get them to church, get them to church, get them to church. And the Holy Spirit's like this, this is church, this is church, this is church. Do you know why? Because the one thing I was reliant upon in church to touch my, my friend was the Spirit of God. It just so happens that you have him because he's your captain. So you don't need to get him to church to meet Jesus because he's with you everywhere you go, your workplace, the gym, the coffee shop. He's with you all the time, yeah? So we just need to know that we have that assurance from the Holy Spirit. So where am I, where am I up to? So yeah, so how do we get over to here? So this is how it happened. The Holy Spirit gave me what we call the Zacchaeus moment. And when I received it, I knew this was my bridge to the harvest fields. If Jesus were here right now, would you let him in? And I knew I had it. I was like so happy. I'm like, man, I've just got my bridge to the other side, to the reaping fields. I knew this was going to be it. It's so concise. It's so simple. It just kind of uh, really kind of uh, makes it clear to the person. Would you let him in if he was here? And the person said to me, yes, I would. And then I was like, oh no, what, what do I do? how do I prove he's here? You know, I kind of like it suddenly turned around from being so good to so bad. And I panicked and I'm like, man, how do I prove Jesus is here? Who believes Jesus is here right now? Okay, so do I, but I can't prove it to you. I can tell you what he's done in my life. I can share my story, tell of his faithfulness. But there is one who reveals Jesus. You know who that is? Your captain. He reveals Jesus. So what do you do? You get out the way. You give up all control and let him take full control. Can you see the wind? No, but you can feel it, yeah? Just like the wind, I believe Jesus is here right now. Can I pray for you to feel his presence? And that's the moment there. This moment was my moment of greatest weakness at the beginning, and it became my moment of greatest strength. You know why? Because as I learned to give him the power, I began to see the power. So what I did, I prayed. Just whatever I prayed, just a simple prayer. Holy Spirit, just let him feel you. Sometimes you don't even have to pray because they're weeping. Lord, let him feel your presence. In that moment is when I began to see the power of God manifest. Why? Because I gave up all the control. Ever been on a roller coaster? Yeah? When you go on a roller coaster and you're scared, what do you do? Hold on tight. You hold on really, really tight. I was on one with my daughter a couple of months ago. She's nine. She's like, hold, she's crying. I'm a bad dad. She's like, she didn't want to go on. I'm like, you're going on. <laughs> because I'm thinking she'll thank me for it after, hopefully. So she's like crying in the line and people are like, is she, is she okay? I'm like, yeah, she'll be good. Shh, be quiet. So she's like kind of crying and I'm scared, I'm scared. I'm like, yeah, but I promise you, you'll love it. So we're on the roller coaster. She's far from loving it. She's like, ah! she's like going crazy, like screaming her head off. And we weren't, we're only doing the slow bit. And she's like, ah, like going crazy. So we get up, you know the way they take you up slowly, yeah? And then they get you right to the peak and then you can look over, just teasing you how like scary it's about to get. In that moment there, what was she doing? She had like imprints like for days because she's like holding on so tightly. But if you're confident on a roller coaster, what do you do? What do you do with your hands? There you go. You give up all control. Because you trust that this roller coaster, when you've been on it before, you're like, well, I, I'm not going to fall out, hopefully. You know, things are going to go good. 
So you've been on a roller coaster. You know the way it goes. It goes up. It does a few loop the loops, and you get off. And happy days. Everything's good. So you relax. You relax. You chill out. And what do you do? You enjoy the ride. It's like that with evangelism. If you can get to the point where you can give up all control, man, I, I love this thing. It's my hobby. I don't have any hobbies. I'm not into sports. I'm not into music anymore. I don't have any hobbies. My hobby's this. Because I love it, man. It's incredible. It's like going on a roller coaster every day. You're like, you don't know what's going to happen. You're up, you're down. You're like, whoa, man. And you get people's lives get changed. But all you've got to do is just give up the control and say, hey, Lord, let's do this. I'm ready for my roller coaster today. And you let him lead you. It's that powerful. If you can give up all your control and he take full control, I promise you, this will become something that uh, makes you afraid into something you embrace. I promise you. Okay, we pray. Oh, how did you feel? Yeah, I felt this, this kind of feeling inside. Okay, that's Jesus. Would you believe that Jesus is here right now from what you just felt? Yeah. The last thing, turn from the road you're on without Jesus, change direction and follow him. Do you want to follow him? We don't say, pray with me now. You get a ticket to heaven, everything will be good. Do you want to follow him is quite a strong statement. We're making it clear that they have to count the cost. So do you want to turn and do you want to follow? Some people might say, hey man, listen, I've had people say to me, I like it all apart from the last bit. But, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to pray for you right now. But let's connect and let's kind of meet up and let's, yeah, let's take it further, yeah? But only for those, it's like falling in love. You have to want it. I can't want it for you. But if you want it, he wants it. And I'm going to put their hand in, in his hand and make an introduction, okay? That's how it's going to work. So I know we're a little bit over. Uh, where's uh, Paul? Are we, are we, do we have to wrap up? Okay, cool. So what we want to do, he's going to explain to you, uh, John, but what I want to do just to let you guys know that that we have, a, we have an app. So we're going to give you a card. Everyone who wants to come on the streets, we're going to give you one of these cards. We also have an app. On the app, we have over 25 languages of this card that you can download. In two days' time, we're going to have a, a revised version of our app with a whole follow-up section. You're going to have a follow-up card. You can electronically write the person's name in your phone on the card and send them this card. A lot of funky, cool stuff happening in the next couple of days. So I'd encourage you guys, have a go at it. My daughter's nine. She prayed for a guy last week and he started crying as he accepted Jesus. Like if I had more time, I'd tell you, but I promise you, if you just step out and have a go at this, trust your captain and it will blow your mind. Thanks for listening.